Welcome to the Practica Podcast, where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry in the local church. My name is Josh Loftus, and I'm here with my co-host, who can't seem to be serious today. I know. I you're just you're. you're I'm just, all healed up, and I yeah, got energy, off, and I'm ready for shenanigans. He gets off the oxygen, <laughs> and it's back to old David. I know. I was almost kind of worried on Sunday when I preached. Like, man, now I've got more energy. I'm going to probably sound too feisty. I get in trouble with stuff like that. I can see that. I get really passionate, and then people are like, he's angry. And I'm like, I'm... And Shauna kind of laughs, because when we oh. got married, I, when I get passionate, she's like, oh, are you angry? I'm like, no, I'm just really passionate. <laughs> so I get in trouble. I just love you, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of close. Yeah. I don't know why it's such a big deal. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of true. I just get really passionate, and then people think... And then I do this thing with my... Not that anyone really needs to know any of this. I do this thing where I will often adjust my glasses. Like, if people are talking to me, yeah. I don't want to have my hands in my face, so I'll adjust my glasses a little bit with my nose, and I notice... Like, oh, you give them a little scrunchy face. Yeah, yeah so yeah. a few people, like, a couple of years ago were like, oh, are, are you mad? And they were, like, really worried about it. I'm like, no, why? And they're like, because you're doing this, and you're kind of like... You have the scowl on your face, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just adjusting my glasses." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just doing it passionately. <laughs> yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> just listen. To- Jesus oh, loves man. you. <laughs> well, d- get a little d- Baptocostal. Oh, uh, exactly. I mean, it's the only way, right? <laughs> um, so, to make this even it more isn't serious for the record, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's, it's horrible. Don't yeah. do that. Don't be. Don't be. It's okay to be passionate. Don't be a jerk. Right, and those yeah. are two different things. Unless you're David, and they look the exact same. <laughs> um, I'm working on it. That's okay. So it, I think what got us in this mood is we were telling jokes right before uh-huh. before the podcast started. Um, really, we had really some funny, really jokes. good, serious really, conversation. We did, and then like, and then the jokes started like it coming got out so lighthearted, which was good. Which, dude, so I saved a joke for you oh, that no. I wanted to tell you on, on air. So I, this is one I have not heard. You, you haven't heard this one. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but Okay, it's not one that I've told you today. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, the joke is this. It says, when ordering food at a restaurant, I asked, I asked the waiter how they prepare their chicken. And he goes, ah, nothing special. We just tell them they're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I just love simple jokes like that. The simple ones, dude. Oh my goodness! It's the simple pleasures. To all the farmers out there, they're like, "Ah, I get that. We just tell them, yeah. You know what? Sorry, Mabel. It's it. I picture that actually being something that I actually picture that being something that uh, like one or two guys in our church would actually do. Oh yeah, say the same thing. Well, well. So, so I grew up on a ranch in Eastern Washington, right? We would always name our cattle different cuts of beef. Just so we didn't become emotionally attached to them, so, right? Because here's the thing: once you name an animal, it, you grow attached to it, right? Yeah. So right. we were very intentional with what we named our so animals. So you literally be like, "Come here, tenderloin." Yo, yeah, hundred percent. We had a tenderloin. We had a T-bone. I think we had a sirloin. That's really funny because those are still really good names for oh for yeah, cattle. Hundred percent. T-bone. That's, like yeah. yeah, I just learned something. That's right. So if That's I ever right. become 
a farmer. Once you name something, you become attached to it. So make sure yeah. you name it correctly. <laughs> name right? it the cut. Yes. So like if I ever get yeah. chickens, I could just be like, come here, chicken tender. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> chicken nugget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come here, nugget number three. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's All right. awesome. All right, David. Well, we should we should actually get to we the really podcast. Should. It's been fun, but <laughs> yes. we aren't here for fun. Yeah. We're here to be As Calvin would say, we are serious. nowhere forbidden in the scriptures to laugh. No, we're not. It's a no. good point. It's a very good point. Yeah. And, and we might have more jokes in later podcasts. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I will prepare myself. That's right. So, um, this past Sunday, yeah, you were continu- continuing in First John. Yes. Chapter we, 2. Chapter 2, I preached on verses... Three through six. This three through eight. six. All right. Yeah. So before we get going, why don't I read that for us? <clears throat> you can give us a little, a short overview. <laughs> I say short, yes. David, so that <laughs> I'm then shortened. So that you are then shortened. Yeah. It's kind of like in in you know like church gatherings when people get to share testimonies or stories. You hold the mic for them. Yeah, hundred percent. Do don't re- don't <laughs> do not relinquish the mic. So if all of a sudden my voice begins to fade, you know that yeah. Josh has grabbed the mic. <laughs> The microphone equals We may power. have too much yeah. fun in this podcast. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with it's that. It's good. All right. So why don't I read this for us? First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. This is what it says. And it says, And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word... In him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever he uh, excuse me, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Mm. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God stands forever. Mm. It's a fantastic passage. Yeah. I, I love really, when really you say it. that whenever you read the word. Like when you come and preach at Redeemer. Oh, I love yeah. when you say that. Yeah. And then in moments when I'm preaching, I think to end that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, how did Josh say it? I that's can't remember. So I got to Don't it steal my stick. That's I won't. my. Don't, do, don't I, you dare. I'm just, just going to copy you. Yeah. <laughs> Imitation is like flattery or something. Highest form of flattery. Higher, yes. Highest form. That's See? right. That's right. Already I'm learning. Yeah, that's right. So, Dave, um, why don't you give us a little overview of sure. uh, last Sunday's exposition, and then we'll start diving into. Uh, to, to some of the stuff talked about. I think we have some listener questions too. Yeah, we do. We, we have a couple, so we'll really try to leave right room on. for those. Um, it was a it was a longer exposition, um, and one of the reasons for that is we really dealt at first, as you read, with what it means to obey God's commandments, and that we talked first about how obedience really reveals how we know God. And at first, it was important to really unpack that we're not saved by our works. That's not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. We know from the, the the apostolic message of the gospel in the New Testament that that we're saved by grace right. through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But it's not um, a faith, as the Reformers would say, it's not a faith that is alone. It's a faith that works. Mm -hmm. And so obedience in the Christian life um, matters. And so we really talked about that, um, and we talked about keeping his word. Um, I really tried to draw from the Old and New Testament um, this idea and understanding of keeping the word of God, um, especially Psalm 119. I really encourage people, go go read Psalm 119, pray through Psalm 119. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a profound picture of the psalmist who who loves the word of the law of, of God, who desires to obey his commandments. 
And again, in conclusion of our text, we talked about why we are then called to walk as Jesus did. No one, not one of us has kept God's law, his righteous requirement perfectly, right. but Jesus Christ has. And so, you know, I really tried to show the picture of how, you know, we see even with, with Israel and, and, and in the Mosaic Covenant, you know, this picture of uh, obey this and live. And, mm-hmm. and in the New Covenant, it is Christ has perfectly kept this you've been given life by grace so mm-hmm. now walk in that life in in a way of obedience and so we're to then walk in the way that that jesus has walked and we have the whole picture of his earthly ministry and his obedience to god and so there's there's a lot of application behind that uh, shauna and i had talked sunday night about how there was roughly eight questions i had asked through the exposition um, for practical application. And we might be able to deal with some of those, but really even in my introduction, I, I really found that at the heart of it, you know, an important question we have to ask in examining ourselves is how do we know that we know God truly and savingly, yeah. not as, you know, false converts who would say, well, we know a lot of things about God. And how is that true knowledge of God savingly then displayed and evidenced in our in our faith in our in our practice and our obedience mm-hmm. to God. And so that's really the the heart of it that obedience reveals we know God because we keep his word and we walk as Jesus did. Yeah. So that's really the summary of the exposition. Of course, what also gets touched on in the questions asked is how then that uh, speaks of God's commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, and really try to drive home the point that when John is making the point that um, you know, we obey Jesus's commandments. Later, he'll say we obey God's commandments, and they're not burdensome. In chapter five, he says, and so there's no, there, there isn't a disconnect. Like, okay, this is this is God in the Old Testament. This is Jesus in the New, and they're divorced. Right. That's a really, uh, really kind of awful uh, modern picture that we would not want to portray. We would not want to communicate a disconnect or a divorce. Um, God, God's commandments are clear, and in the aspect of the moral law, they continue. And so that was a big aspect of the exposition, which I think really naturally brings up the question then, how do we obey God's commandments? What are God's commandments? Those are some of the questions we dealt with. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think I think it's profitable to, to I think, dive into probably, probably the more... The more obvious practical application, until uh, you know, before we get into some of maybe maybe some of the uh, the more in depth stuff, is right. is that we're not nowhere in Scripture does it condone not following the law of God, right? Right. We we don't believe in um, um, antinomianism, which is a big long theological word that basically means and is the view that now that we are under grace as God's people, which is true, the grace of Jesus Christ, that then means that the moral law of God has no place in the life of the believer, that we are no longer right. bound to the standard of the law that God has placed in his word, right? right. Um, we would vehemently deny that and say that is not true. Right. Um, Christ did not come to abolish the law. He was very clear on that. He came to fulfill it and to be the fulfillment mm-hmm. of it, Right. So just because we are under a new covenant, and that is a covenant of grace, and that the uh, the the way God views us and looks at us, and and how salvation is 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 obtained is no longer through following this the the strict rigorous rules of the law. It is through Christ, right? Mm-hmm. We need to understand that that does not 
that does not negate the law because the law is still in effect. The law still right. is the standard. The law still is required in order for that salvation that we have to be so sweet because we right. see that the fulfillment of that, the perfect keeping of that is not through us or through our sacrifices, through our obedience, through following every dot and tittle of it, right? It's through the work of Jesus Christ who perfectly accomplished it through his life and through his death and through his resurrection. Right. Right. So just want to make that clear right off the bat that that, that is the obvious application. We do not believe that the law of God is now uh, to be not followed. Uh, we still believe it has very, very important, uh, a very important and prominent place in the life of the believer. Uh, it just looks a little different now that we are under that new covenant and now that we are under uh, the grace of Christ. Uh, it has been it has been fulfilled, not abolished. Right. Right. And so that, of course, becomes a, a, a key aspect of discussion when it comes to what what commandments, you know, what does it mean to obey God's commandments? When you look at the Old Testament, um, the word you'll often see the word law. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. But not always is that just a one answer. Um, you know, for example, you know, in Reformed thought and and I would say in 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 history not just within the reformed faith but in the reformed faith especially you see the what's called the threefold division of the law you see what's called the judicial the ceremonial and the moral mm-hmm. and again I think even some definition for people is helpful so that we that when people hear that the Ten Commandments are applicable for the Christian today. Mm-hmm. They're still binding right. on, you know, for, for our obedience and our practice. We don't think then that we're going into a category of what's called replacement theology. Right. And then we say, okay, so we're now new Israel. We're now, you know, this new nation of Israel. I think that's a wrong application. Sometimes a, what's called a straw man argument of others about reform theology, but really that, that the law what Christ came and and fulfilled were those requirements as a covenant unto, unto life. In yeah. Christ, we have life. Um, and right. so then we're called to walk in obedience. Um, yeah. That that kind of gets into even some of the questions we were asked. Right. And so I think like even as we deal with those questions, we understand we're talking about the moral application of, of the law. Right, right. And it's important. Those commandments. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. And it's important to understand that when we talk about the threefold division, right, two of those three have been fulfilled perfectly in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in fact, all three have been fulfilled, but, but, but we are still bound by one of them, <laughs> right. right? So obviously the sacrificial law was fulfilled perfectly in Christ. He was the final sacrifice, right. right? And he fulfilled that perfectly. And now that system, the shedding of blood is no longer needed for the remission of sins because it has been done once and for all in the person of Christ, right? right. It's no longer the blood of bull and goats. Exactly. It's the blood of our Savior, Jesus The spotless Christ. lamb, mm-hmm. right? Once and for all, right? Right. The, the judicial side, the the side that that, that was utilized to, to, to make us just, <laughs> right? That where the... The judge's mallet came down and said, righteous, right? right? That has been fulfilled perfectly in the person of Christ, right? Right. That our redemption, our justification, right, which is what that word is linked to, has been fulfilled perfectly in the work of Jesus Christ. And now when God looks at us, he claims us just, justified, right? Yeah. 
just as the the judge saying to the to the to the accused you are innocent right and that was fulfilled and that work was accomplished purpose perfectly in the person of Christ right? right Christ now what now we get to the moral side Christ fulfilled that for us as well because he knew we did not have the ability to be moral unto salvation right but right. That does not negate the need for the moral law in the life of the believer. We are still called to live according to the word of God. Right. We still have a standard by which we are called to live. Right. The the motivation has changed and that I am not living this moral life in order to be seen righteous by God. I'm now living this moral life out of thankfulness and gratitude because of the fulfillment that Christ has accomplished on my behalf. Right. right. I think even one of the cool aspects, uh, <clears throat> I had a few text conversations on Sunday that were really fruitful, felt really life-giving, some of the questions that yeah. some of our congregants were asking. Let's um, get into some of them. Yeah, yeah. well, I think, yeah. so off of what we're talking about, I think one of the things, I had not said this in a sermon, but Jaron had texted me, and one of the things Shout out he, Jaren. He, he said, right, yes, um, he said, in, in your sermon, I was thinking more about how we see that we don't have to become Jews to follow God's law in Christ. That's awesome. And that is an awesome point because the ceremonial and the judicial aspects were, were for the nation of Israel. Right. And that is what is fulfilled. God's moral law is not limited to Sinai and Exodus 20. Mm -hmm. In fact, you see it all throughout the old Testament prior, but it was expressed in that way concisely for the nation so that they understood God's moral law his moral commandments um so i thought that was such a killer point that jaron had shared with me because that's true you see that all throughout you know it's not it's not a weird um aspect of of mixing male and female distinction but when when paul is often saying there's no jew or greek or, or gentile you know he's making that point of all are one in christ jesus right and so you have this idea, we're not talking about you becoming national Jews. Right. We're talking about Jesus Christ. He's the He's the one who defines what true spiritual Israel is. And I think that's just an incredible point. Yep. Um so a couple questions asked um were could you further and we're kind of talking about this, but could you further unpack for us in your sermon prep uh where we see the shedding of the judicial and ceremonial law in the new covenant? Mm. Uh, it's a great question. Fantastic uh, question, yeah. Yeah, yep. back when we had gone through the book of Ephesians, um, I really tried to deal with that um, aspect in um, Ephesians chapter 2. I had brought up Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15 in my exposition on Sunday, and um, that really deals with um, the ceremonial aspect of of the law mm-hmm. um in fact paul says this is the nasb translation he says um for he himself is our peace speaking of christ in verse 14 who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall verse 15 by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so that in himself he might make the two into one new man thus establishing peace mm. <clears throat> again it goes on and it's 
very helpful, but I think that's an explicit area where Paul's talking about the ceremonial, and because in himself Christ makes the two one, then you no longer have national Israel's judicial system. That is that is to them. In fact, our confession in chapter 19, paragraph 4, gives a helpful summary of of how it was to Israel as a nation, the judicial laws and and system, and so that it was under their, uh, I think you would call it theocracy, mm-hmm. um, and and so that was to them, and it ceased then, um, and so in the new covenant we have a continuing of God's moral law that was you know we see from the garden um, to the to the new heavens and the new earth. We never are outside of our our need for obeying God's moral law, especially right. as new covenant believers. Yeah. So I think especially Ephesians 2, because I know we have other questions, but especially Ephesians 2, I would say explicitly uh, deals with and really helped me understand, um, you know, Paul uses the language of abolishing, um, you know, that sacrificial system, what we often summarize is that's the ceremonial laws, the, the sacrifices, right. the, the, the the practices in the temple. Christ is the full and final eschatological temple. Yep. All of that is fulfilled in him. So no longer do we have a ceremonial law and no longer do we have a judicial law um, as the nation of Israel. We have, yes, uh, aspects of the, I would say, the judicial law continual in the moral sense in right. those practices that are right. Related to to moral application, yeah, and I think for those listening, going to our confession is hopeful because, and not at all to replace the scriptures. In fact, that's why it's good to start with Ephesians two, yeah. And again, Ephesians two is mentioned in our confession in chapter nineteen. So I think that's part of in my study what was really helpful. Chapter nineteen of our confession, Ephesians chapter two. I think Galatians um, is very helpful as well. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think to to summarize that, like ultimately, when when you're dealing with those types of questions, like okay, you know, where does the sacrificial law stand now? Where does the judicial law stand now? Where does the moral law stand now? It's important to view all of those through the lens of the gospel, through them right. through the lens of their fulfillment the person of Jesus Christ, right? So when you look at the sacrificial law and the judicial law, you ask ask the question, what were they there for? What was the reason they were instituted, right? And right. then that answer should then lead you to, okay, how is this how is this fulfilled now? Am I still required to be the propitiation for my own sins? Am I still required to 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 live in a way that 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 earns my righteousness am i still required to do these things or is all of that done in the person of christ right and i think it's very important as we just and and, and look look this is just a good a good hermeneutical practice in general to be viewing the old testament when we view the old testament we and, and especially when we're getting into kind of the the nitty gritty aspects of the law and things like that. I think it's easy to, at least for me, to get kind of tunnel vision and be like, oh, okay, like you know, let's let's parse out every section here and 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 you know, understand like, okay, the context here, context here. It's important just for big picture interpretation to be viewing it through the lens of Christ, mm. right? Because all of it was pointing to Him anyway, <laughs> right? That's why it was instituted, right? It was a temporary solution pointing to to an eternal truth and a final 
application and fulfillment of it. Right. Right. Um, and I think it's just it's important, especially you know, j- just going back to that 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 first question. You know, how how are they? Why are they no longer a thing? Basically, look at what they were for. What were the re- what was the reason they were instituted? Now look at the person of Christ. Right. You see them perfectly fulfilled and perfectly perfectly uh, 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 completed in the person of Jesus. Right? Yeah. I, I love, again, in Jaron's text to me, um, he always words, I word things, and then he words them better. Um, I, but when he had, we were dialoguing about this, he said, just like when we observe the Sabbath, um, which we call the Lord's day, when we observe the Sabbath as Christians, we don't observe the Sabbath as delivered to Israel in the desert, which yeah. was also connected to the judicial and ceremonial aspects of the law. Um, again, even because I think when we talk about the Ten Commandments, you know, in people's own study, um, not that we have to spend all of our time on the Fourth Commandment, but the Fourth Commandment is something you have to you have to deal with. And I think sure. yeah. for us to have our eyes on Christ, again, understanding that the Lord's Day really in our practice, it comes down to. Um, what is the what is driving the motivation in our practice mm-hmm. and in our obedience? I think that's true with any of the commandments. Of course. Yeah. Um, because, again, a heart that's been truly changed um, is going to desire to, to do all of which points to loving God and mm-hmm. loving their neighbor. That was one of the things I really tried to drive home in the exposition is utilizing Jesus' words from Matthew 22. Uh, a believer who truly desires to obey God's commandments has had all of their heart, all of their soul, all their might, all their strength changed right. by God right. fully and therefore has a desire and a delight mm-hmm. to obey God. And so, yeah, I think understanding that that context that we're not, when we talk about God's commandments, we're not trying to insert ourselves as Christians in a replacement sense of Israel, but looking at Christ fulfilling um, those certain aspects of the law and what he has accomplished and then what he has then called us to walk in. 100%. I think that's why John yep. concludes by saying, now walk as Christ has walked. Right. That's really important right. so that we keep our eyes on Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's 100% right, man. And, and, and it's because of that, again, like we get into the heart motives, right? We get into the the motivations of why we must see the moral law as good, Right. The psalmist says that I, Lord, I love your law. Right. We need that mentality and we need that affection for the law of God as well because of what Christ has done for us. Right. And that we, we are free as Christians to not see the law uh, as Martin Luther did (laughs) as a burden, as something that is, is just thrust upon us without any aspect whatsoever of God's goodness or God's grace, right? And it was providing so much pressure on him, right? Right. Uh, Yeah, it was only till he came to an understanding of justification by faith. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Then then his attitude to the law changed, right? Right. And the same is with us, right? Yeah. I think, in fact, in, 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 in a practical application, something that has helped me with this is understanding the scripture's use of law and gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably forever say the author's name wrong, but Ernie Resinger, or Resinger, Resinger, Resinger. Um, he wrote a book called The Law and the Gospel, and yeah. he does a fantastic job 
of outlining in the Old Testament where do we see the moral law prior to uh, Mount Sinai and Exodus 20, but also how do we how do we walk in the Christian faith and live like Christ and have a delight in God's moral law? That mm-hmm. book is, I think, really valuable to think biblically about practical application. Um, that is one that I would encourage every person listening to go purchase or if you can't purchase it tell us so we can purchase it for you yeah because it's just a valuable book because what ernie is going to focus on a ton in that book is what do the scriptures say and how then are we called to live that's right um that's a that's a valuable book i would say in the application yeah and and again when in doubt look at christ Right, right. Look at Christ. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we don't utilize the law of God. It doesn't mean we don't love it. it doesn't mean we don't we don't cite it and follow it. Right. But the person of Jesus Christ is the one. He he is the one that the law was pointing to. <laughs> right. And it's an, again, it's important to have that view and that lens. Right. Over when when we are when we are looking at the moral law, understand this is perfectly fulfilled and manifested in the person of Christ. Imitate Christ. Yeah. And you will follow the law. <laughs> right. right. Well, and I think, you know, again, what John concludes on in verse six is, is the importance of abiding in Christ. Absolutely. Specifically when he says abide in him, he's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that is, that is a critical thing because again, I drew from John 15, you know, that Jesus says abide in me Yep. Uh, for in me, you will bear much fruit. And so yep. if, as we talk about obedience and, and walking in the way of the Lord, we must be those who abide in the true vine yep. in order to bear fruit. And we need to know what the source is that causes us to walk in such a way. Exactly. Verse six, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Yeah. Right. If you want to prove, if you want to show that you love Christ, you will follow his commandments. Yeah. Right. You will live like he lived. You will talk like he talked. You will act like he acted. Yeah. Right. And that's that. That is the that is the proof of our love and our gratitude for the work that Jesus has done in our life. Right. And what he has done on our behalf. We don't try to strive for the same thing to to try to earn our righteousness. Right. right. But we strive for the image of Christ because we want to be like him because of what he has accomplished on our behalf. Right. And I think, you know, I mean, you often find in the New Testament a call of of examination. I mean, again, if we truly say that we know God and we are we are then to keep his commandments. Yeah. And there's an examining there that we, you know, at the end, I tried to conclude on really showing from the scriptures, you know, in Second Corinthians 13, Paul says, examine yourselves right. to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Man, I think that is an aspect of application where not only we are examining ourselves, but even even calling among trustworthy brothers and sisters in Christ to not only hold us accountable, but mm-hmm. walk with us in learning what it means to abide in Christ, to have our full dependence upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would even then walk in obedience to obeying God's commandments. Amen to that. Yeah. That's where the local church comes in. Absolutely. Right? That's that's what we do for each other. Yeah. Right? That's why we are living in community. That's why there's no lone wolf Christians. Right. Right. Is because we we need that accountability. We need that encouragement. Right. And everyone everyone has experienced the blessing of being given an encouraging word when you're down. Right. Right. Or when you're struggling. Yeah. Right? Everyone has experienced that. Right. And everyone knows the the joy that it might not be joy in the moment, but the joy that and the camaraderie that comes from being 
being <laughs> biblically confronted <laughs> with scripture by a brother and sister, right? right? Right. I I I've experienced that. And I look back on those times and I think, "Lord, thank you for giving me such faithful brothers and sisters that care enough about me to say, "Hey, Josh, like I'm seeing this thing, man. Uh let's talk about it cuz i'm worried about you you know what i'm saying like what a blessing to have brothers and sisters that 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 love you enough to open the word of god and and encourage and convict you in it right, right. that's what a challenge for us to continue to do that amen yeah 100% yeah well i i have to say it's been it's been wonderful to get some of the questions that we've gotten and i think that i really, love it yeah i do too i hope that you know, those at Redeemer and even maybe those listening who are not part of Redeemer would ask uh, some of these questions because mm-hmm. these are really valuable and I hope they're helpful in yeah. practical application. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and I like I like re- I like releasing these on Wednesday, too, because they g- it gives time for those right. questions to kind of roll in. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? People to chew on. Things yeah, exactly. And, and then yeah. send them over or to just tell us, you know, how how whack we are. I mean, that also works. Right? It's like I listen or to you. they I can give you ideas on jokes. A hundred percent. Hey, you know what? We'll take jokes we like jokes <laughs> jokes are good the darker the better <laughs> oh man well we thank you guys all for listening uh we really appreciate you guys interacting we appreciate the, the questions um those that are at redeemer who are the the primary recipients of this podcast uh we love you and 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 we mm-hmm. care about you and we definitely want this to continue to be edifying and conversation starting yeah. for you right Amen. um so you can find us on all the socials those who might not be at redeemer that are listening from afar from abroad across the pond wherever wherever you're listening the one listener we have in like vietnam that we were joking about maybe right uh you can li- find us on all the socials we're on facebook instagram and twitter at practicapod we have a website too yeah practicapod.com nice look at that where it's where it's, you can pretty- ask a question on the website you can look at all the previous episodes and see some bios and information like that legit i love it so we thank you all for listening to this episode of the Practica Podcast. We will uh, catch you on the next one. Have an awesome week.